Welcome to this edition of Back to Basics with Pastor Brian Broderson. God wants to use us, His people, His church, to bring about as much justice as we can and righteousness. And what we're really just talking about is living right with other people and recognizing that there are people that are mistreated and that the church has a responsibility to seek to better the situation at least. Today on Back to Basics, Pastor Brian continues his study through the books of the Old Testament prophets. Join us as Pastor Brian concludes his teaching on Amos chapters 1 through 5. Now here's Pastor Brian. Oftentimes there are these appeals to who God is, what his power is like by looking at creation by looking at uh, different aspects of nature. And he creates the wind and he forms the mountains. And so same thing here. Now, chapter five, hear this word, Israel, this lament I take up concerning you. Fallen is virgin Israel, never to rise again, deserted in her own land, with no one to lift her up. This is what the sovereign Lord says to Israel. Your city that marches out a thousand strong will have only a hundred left. Your town that marches out a hundred strong will have only 10 left. This is what the Lord says to Israel. Seek me and live. Do not seek Bethel. Do not go to Gilgal. Gilgal was another location where there was a history with God encountering the people, but they had turned it once again into something else. So verse six, seek the Lord and live. And then down in verse eight, he says this, once again, appealing to God as a creator. He who made the Pleiades and Orion who turns midnight into dawn and darkens day into night, who calls to the waters of the sea and pours them out over the face of the land. The Lord is his name. So look at these constellations. Look at these these clusters of stars. And remember, God is the one who set them in their place in the heavens. And then... He says that he's the one who calls for the waters of the sea. This is what is called, and I'll talk about this more next week because it's repeated later, Um, but this is uh, the water cycle or the hydraulic cycle. Um, So this is one of those things that nobody knew this at the time. Nobody would know this for a couple thousand years, but... Amos knows it. How does Amos know this? Well, Amos is a prophet. The, the, the creator, he's a farmer. Yeah, he knew it from farming. He figured it out. Yeah, the ocean's out there. It must be that somehow the, the water comes up out of the ocean and it dumps over here on my crops. I guess that's how it works. 
And then nobody else thought about it for a couple thousand years. But it's amazing that we have a description of this here. And, and like I was saying earlier, there are these little things hidden. You know, like with Moses, you have this statement, the life of all flesh is in the blood. Who knew that? Then, nobody. Nobody. 1700s. That's when that was discovered to be a fact. Or the fact that there are, there are the, the, the psalmist, or, or maybe it's Job, uh, speaks of the pathways or the rivers in the sea. Who knew that there were rivers in the sea? But they became the shipping lanes. Somebody discovered, man, there's like a river here. You can get on this, this current in the sea and it will take you to where you want to go much quicker. The Bible had told about that centuries before. So, verse 10, there are those who hate the one who upholds justice in court and detest the one who tells the truth. Man, nothing's changed there, right? Man, today, think about it. It's almost like whenever a righteous decision comes down in the courts, people go ballistic. I mean, Roe versus Wade is the classic example of the hour, isn't it? All of this talk about the possibility of this this greatest catastrophe ever in the minds of some people, that reproductive rights, whatever those are, it's a total made-up thing, uh, that those would be taken away. God forbid that Roe versus Wade would ever be overturned and those justices and, you know, the hatred, the, the vitriol against those who would make a righteous judgment in the courts. This is the history of the world. This was happening in Israel, just like it's happening in America and other places today. And so he's talking about their opulence. You built your stone mansions, but you will not live in them. Uh, Oppressing the poor and the innocent, taking bribes, depriving the poor of justice in the courts. Look over in verse 18. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Now, they, they, were, they were doing all of this, but at the same time, they were giving lip service to the things of God, and they were actually saying, you know, the day of the Lord is going to come. Now, Israel had enemies at the time, and their hope was that there would be like an ultimate deliverance that would come, and their belief was that the day of the Lord, the day of Yahweh, that would be their deliverance. So there were some, even at the time, who were ignoring the injustice and all that they were doing and saying, well, the Lord's, basically the Lord's on our side and the Lord's gonna come and he's gonna get rid of all of our enemies and he's gonna 
he's going to make us even more prosperous and more blessed. So here's what the prophet says. Woe to you who long for the day of the Lord. Why do you long for the day of the Lord? That day will be darkness, not light. It will be as though a man fled from a lion only to meet a bear, as though he entered his house and rested his hand on the wall only to have a snake bite him. Will not the day of the Lord be darkness, not light, pitch dark without a ray of brightness? Now, the day of the Lord is is really a reference to the coming of the king. And we would understand that as what we would know it as the second coming. But still for Jews today, there, there was no first coming because they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. So there are many Jews today, especially among the, the religious, the more orthodox, who would long for the day of the Lord. And in their mind, the day of the Lord is God will come and deliver us from our enemies and promote us and exalt us and we will live in peace and prosperity here in our land. That is a a common hope among Jews today. But they don't understand that the day of the Lord is going to be the return of the one that they have despised and rejected. And the day of the Lord, which will culminate in the establishing of the kingdom of God on the earth with Jesus Christ sitting upon the throne of David to rule over the house of Jacob forever, it will culminate with that, but it will begin with what we commonly call the great tribulation. So a day of darkness, not of light. And so, again, many Jews live with that expectation, but their expectation is really, it's, it's more rooted in their love of nation. It's, it's more of a nationalistic hope than it is an actual spiritual hope because of their love for God because their love for God is not a real love for God because they continue to reject the one that God sent to them. But they fervently hold to the hope of the day of the Lord. But just like Amos is saying, and I think that this has its its primary application here is future. The day of the Lord is a day of judgment. Now, he goes on and he says, um, I hate and despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. So God 
as he would say so many times over. You think of Jeremiah when um, Jeremiah was sent by the Lord to stand at the temple and the people, as they're walking into the temple, they're like, oh, the temple of the Lord. Oh, glorious, the temple of the Lord. Jeremiah is standing there saying, don't say the temple of the Lord. God doesn't want you to say that. God wants you to obey him. That was Jeremiah's message. That's why he got thrown into a pit and had all kinds of other problems. But it's, it's the same thing here. They're substituting religious activity for righteous living. They're ignoring the command of God and they're covering it all up with some phony religious activity. And this is where he says, so this is, in other words, he's saying, don't do that. Do this. Let justice roll on like a river and righteousness like a never failing stream. You want to be right with me? God is saying, this is what you got to do. You've got to seek justice. You've got to pursue righteousness. You know, there was a time in the history of the church in our country where you would have people celebrating and rejoicing and preaching God's word and getting saved and all of that was going on. And simultaneously, the slaves were there in the background preparing for the Sunday afternoon lunch. And that's the kind of contradictions that that we have lived with. And that's the kind of thing that God says, I hate that. Let justice roll down. And that's why Martin Luther King would latch on to this passage. And that's why a man named John Perkins, who was um, somewhat of a contemporary of King, um, but definitely more of a evangelical Christian who was still alive in his 90s, he wrote his story, the title of his autobiography is Let Justice Roll Down. He, he used this passage. And so, you know, one thing that I have been thinking a lot about these days, and we're going to finish up here in just a second. You know, I was, I was saying this to Cheryl today, that when you have it, we all have an interpretive, interpretive lens through which we understand scripture. We all do. It's inescapable. Um, And some of it is theologically based because we've been taught that, okay, this is the way you read it. This is the way you understand it. Some of it is more just assumption because this is the way things are. And so we read a biblical text and we, okay, this is the way it is. And we, we can't but help impose our experience upon the passage because we don't, that's the only experience we know. And that's not necessarily bad. I mean, sometimes you can end up with the wrong conclusion, but most of the time, you know, you can, you can get close enough. But that's why, you know, it's helpful to have teachers and it's helpful to have scholars and people that 
research background and culture and history and geography and archaeology and all of that stuff, you know, to give us better understandings of those things, to help us come to a, a, a clearer, more accurate interpretation of things. But when you view scripture through certain theological lenses, you, you just have certain tendencies. So I can say this about myself, and I, and I think I can say this as well about uh, many of my own friends who we've, we've all had a similar lens through which we viewed scripture. So when you read through the prophets, the tendency has been, and this has been my tendency in the past too, so it's not like I'm pointing the finger saying all those guys, you know, were doing it wrong. But the tendency was to, to see it in its historical context. That's good and that's right and we need to. And then to jump out to its prophetic significance and to miss oftentimes the present application. So there's a lot of conversation in the Christian Bible-believing world today about justice. And anyone who talks about justice or social justice, which isn't really a helpful term, but the idea is that there's a lot of injustice in society and Christians ought to do something about it. Some Christians would say, no, we're not supposed to do anything about it. We're just supposed to preach the gospel. Those things are the way they are and they're always going to be that way. So so that's kind of, you know, understanding the, the history, the past and then projecting out to the future, but not seeing that there is an application. Now, the problem a little bit with with Israel and with the prophets is that Israel was a nation. So here we are tonight. We're just some Christians gathered together. I'm teaching the word. I'm not speaking to Joe Biden. I'm not talking to the, the Senate or the Congress. I'm not talking to the governor up there in Sacramento. We're just talking to each other, <laughs> right? So, so, how, so how does this get applied to that? Well, God has his ways of getting it applied. He sends people, gives them a voice, and, and you know, they, they do that. But the question, the bigger question is, how do we apply these things? So when we think about justice or we think about injustice, what do we do? Well, specifically, I think the Lord, we leave it up to the Lord to show us, but I think it starts with recognizing that God wants to use us, his people, his church, in our place at our time to bring about as much justice as we can, and righteousness. And what we're really just talking about is is living right with other people and recognizing that there are people that are mistreated and there are people that um, are, in a sense, victims of certain things and that the church has a a responsibility to to seek to better the situation, at least, will never heal the ills of society. 
that is um, something that will, will never take place because we know that the root of the problems uh, are in the human heart, sin, and it'll only be remedied when Jesus comes and ultimately fixes it by fixing everybody's heart. So we can't fix the world, but we can make it a little bit better for some. And that's part of what the church is supposed to do. And what I'm saying is that's part uh, that I think that many uh, in the church have overlooked for a long time. And it's kind of a new generation of believers. God's been pointing that out to them. And when they begin to speak about it, sometimes they're accused of being liberal or progressive or I'm sure you've heard of CRT. Oh, you're into CRT, critical race theory. And no, we're into Amos. (laughs) We're into the prophets. The, the, The people, you know, the secular people who are doing all of that critical stuff, all of that, I mean, they are a distorted version of what the prophets have been saying for thousands of years. The human version of it, which is all tainted by sin, and therefore, for the most part, it will be ineffective and it will fail. But man, the church has the true righteousness and justice. And, you know, we're going to come to Micah here soon. And remember that that great passage in Micah. He has shown you, Oh man, what is good and what the Lord requires of you, but to do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with your God. That's, that's what we've been called to do. And so let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. And then did you bring me sacrifices and offerings 40 years in the wilderness, people of Israel? You have lifted up the shrine of your king, the pedestal of your idols, the star of your God, which you made for yourselves. Therefore, I will send you into exile beyond Damascus, says the Lord, whose name is God Almighty. So this is actually, this passage is quoted in the New Testament. And it's quoted in the New Testament from the Septuagint, the Greek version, which speaks of, actually identifies uh, Molech and uh, Repham and God will carry you away to Babylon. So the Septuagint took and expanded the statement because the Septuagint was written in 250 BC. So of course, long after even the Babylonian captivity. So they extended it out. So the reason I'm saying that is because when you read the passage in the New Testament, it's slightly different but it's different because the, the further captivity of Judah that wasn't included here is included in that one. And now let's join Pastor Brian in the studio as he shares about this month's resource. Hi, Pastor Brian here, and it is the beginning of a new year, and 
I think one of the greatest things about the gospel is the truth of the grace of God, that we're saved by grace, that we live in his grace, that ultimately we are brought home through his grace. And so this month, we are offering a great little booklet by Paul David Tripp, 40 Days of Grace. So what a great way to start the new year, taking a deep dive into the grace of God. And so if you would like to get your copy, let us know, and we'll be happy to send you 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. Again, this month's resource is a book titled 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp. You can order the book 40 Days of Grace by going to our website, backtobasicsradio.com. Scroll down until you see the photo of it and then click on the donate button. When you give a gift to Back to Basics, we'll send you the book 40 Days of Grace by Paul David Tripp to help you better understand that grace is more than you think. It's our way of saying thank you for your generous support of this ministry. We'd also like to remind you that all of our other resources are waiting for you at backtobasicsradio.com or by calling our request line at 1-800-733-6443. That's 1-800-733-6443. Our desire is to encourage you in your daily walk with God. We'll continue tomorrow with more valuable insights from Pastor Brian as we continue our series with the book of Amos. Back to Basics is the preaching and teaching ministry of Calvary Chapel, Costa Mesa, California.